Welcome to the program as it is day two of the Big Rays. A Thursday, hope you are doing well and the Vols look pretty good in basketball. So we've got a lot to get to and also maybe a special guest later in the program. So go ahead and hit that like button if you haven't subscribed. Big subscriber day yesterday, so we greatly appreciate you. And it is fantastic to have you aboard. So we allow some of the numbers to sink in about uh, the new contract raises with Danny White and Josh Heupel. And they were absolutely monstrous and huge. Well, in the case of Josh Heupel, at least they were. So, Caleb, now that you've had some time to kind of sit back and think about what all happened with Josh Heupel's sudden raise and uh, really Danny White's, I thought, modest raise, uh, your thoughts now that you've had a chance to get some shut-eye on? I mean – but, you know, one day later, the thing that stands out to me is kind of what I said yesterday, and I wrote a column on it. You guys can see it on Off the Hook Sports now. The better value is still Danny White. I, I, I insist that I think Tennessee getting Danny White for $2.2 million is the best value of any athletic hire in college sports right now. I mean, number one, it's – I think the college let, – let, let's let, – I'm just going to say this outright. All due respect for Josh Heupel. I think he's an amazing coach. He's ahead of the curve offensively. Given Danny White's track record, if Josh Heupel were to leave Tennessee tomorrow, Danny White is somebody I would trust to hire another coach to where Tennessee wouldn't lose a step. He's that good of a hire. And when you have that good of a hire, the athletic director becomes more valuable than the head coach. So, I mean, don't get me wrong. I think Josh Heupel is worth every penny of that $9 million. I think Danny White might be worth $10 million. Honestly, so getting him at $2.2 million, I get it. The athletic director market um, sets that. And we're going to talk later in the program about some administrations that are insanely incompetent but can still be successful because of the talent in their areas. Tennessee's not that type of school. You need a good athletic director to help your football program succeed. And Tennessee has that. But I will say Josh Heupel is still worth every penny he's getting to. Yeah, somebody got paid twice in the SEC, so we'll get to that. But um, uh, further digging, and you can read this on offthooksports.com, is uh, Josh Heupel's buyout on his end, not what he gets. I know Tennessee fans are used to what the coach gets if he gets fired because uh, it was buyout university there for a long time. And this is on the flip end. So if Josh Heupel up and decided to leave, this is where – Tennessee would be in terms of uh, the, the contractual uh, setup if, if he left. If the Dallas Cowboys fired Mike McCarthy tomorrow and called him, and you wrote a column about the NFL is probably the greatest suitor that Tennessee would ever have to worry about, and I agree with that. But if you go back and uh, you look at the contract, and I read through it, and it was a lot of fun, sarcasm, but – it actually is with the new addendum. Uh, he would be, he would have to pay eight million dollars before December the fifteenth this year if he left. That tells you how dedicated to the program he is. Now, the hiring cycle is already done, so let's take that eight million dollars out of the equation. Let's make it six million dollars, which it would be headed into the twenty twenty four season if he decided to go elsewhere if Oklahoma had a changeover if um you know with the administration and they wanted their former uh, star quarterback to come back or the NFL came calling but Caleb that's still 6 million dollars and again we're dealing with monopoly money but 6 million dollars is enough to give any 
NFL team or program pause to think, is this fiscally responsible? And then it goes down to four million and it goes to three, two, one. But I would say there would be a contract extension way before that. So those numbers will probably never come in play. But what they are right now is if Josh Heupel wanted to walk away, say he won a national title for Tennessee and his stock is sky high and he wanted to walk away uh, next January, January the 15th, just pick a date, he would have to pay or the university or the NFL team would have to pay $6 million for him to uh, accept that job. I have never, frankly, and I, this is not hyperbole for those listening, and, and, and please hit the like button so we can bring some more people in on this, because this is the big news. If, if you want to listen to the, should he got four, five, six million? Should he have got more or less, whatever? I mean, we, could, we can talk about that all day long and where he stacks up, and we will. But this is pretty much unprecedented. I've never heard of a coach having that sort of buyout on the leaving end. And I think it's part of the reason that they bumped him all the way from five to nine. It's, it kind of goes both ways. But nevertheless, if it was a negotiating employee to get more money, he has said he wants to be at Tennessee for the foreseeable future. And that's monstrous for a program after what they went through for, what, 13 years? Oh, it's huge. Um, and it also kind of – I mean, I think Heifel has, unfortunately for other programs, put many other college football programs on notice to a certain degree, which is that they're going to look at the situation Tennessee was in two years ago. They're going to look at what's happened the last two years, and they're going to start saying, you know, maybe that whole three years to rebuild a program isn't a thing anymore. Maybe maybe three years for a coach isn't an excuse. Maybe they're all going to start trying to rebuild in two years. Now, there's some unique things. Every situation is unique to Tennessee, but... Dave, as long as you've been covering college football, have you ever seen a coach work out who wasn't very successful by his second year? Who wasn't very successful? Yeah, by his second full season. His second full season on the job hadn't at least already had a top 10 finish or something like something like that. Man, that's tough. Um, if you had a total rebuild by his second season – I would be curious to look and see what Dabo Sweeney did in his second season since he took over. Didn't he take over uh, midway uh, through the season? Yeah, I wasn't. That, yeah, he took over 2008. That's a good point. Dabo Sweeney. Um, that's But that's the only one I can think of. I mean, most most coaches do have some success. I mean, if you look back at Nick Saban, what, what were they? Um, I believe they were 7-5 and five his first season, and he kicked some players off because of – well, drug issues and because of discipline issues, and he had to make some moves. But they were very competitive in the second season under Nick Saban. Kirby Smart, I'm sure, was competitive. I, I don't remember his second season off the top of my head. That was head. the year to play for the national title, so they were yeah. competitive. They were pretty competitive, yeah. So, I mean, they. I think Kirby Smart was undervalued early in his career because he was still getting beat by Nick Saban early on. <laughs> but obviously we've seen that it takes time to climb Mount Saban and he's, he's been able to do that. So no, I guess most people do have success by the, the second season. Uh, this is pretty elite success. I mean, this is right up there with Kirby smart. You bring up a great point. This is a team that was vying for, a four-team playoff, not a 12-team playoff, a four-team playoff. And that's the excuse the coaches will use in the coming years. Like, yeah, year year two, 
I got in the playoff. Well, that just means you're a top 12 team. So, no, you bring up a great point. Knocking on the door in season number two, I think that's highly unusual. Yeah, yeah. And so I think it's starting to create a new, um, you know, I think not just knocking on the door, but, you know, knocking on the door at a program that was in complete shambles when Heupel took over. Let's, you know, when Kirby Smart took over Georgia, we know this. Mark Rick, I know there were some issues there, but Mark Rick always recruited well. He, You know, it wasn't like Kirby Smart walked into an empty cupboard when he took over Georgia. Georgia is all, has consistently been top five, top ten recruiting, I'd say since Mark Rick got there. Um, Tennessee had one top ten class in four years when Heupel took over, and half the roster had transferred out. They were facing probation and NCAA investigations. And by year two, at one point, he's got them number one in the college football playoff rankings. Mm-hmm. Um, so with that regard, yeah, I think that beating – I think that you look at all of that and you say, you're right, probably the high pay, the high buyout came with the high salary, but Tennessee hasn't had a coach that you – you know, Tennessee fans hoped Derek Dula would work out. They hoped Jeremy Pruitt would work out. They hoped Butch Jones would work out. I'd say they were probably of the three the most confident in Butch Jones just because of his early recruiting classes, but you didn't really know. Um, they had they, they didn't really have any evidence, but you go to Josh Heupel after year two, I don't really think there's a hope with Josh Heupel anymore. I think there's a Tennessee fans and the administration knows this is going to work out, and so they don't want to lose him. And the other point is, you're right, you bring up Monopoly money um, with the NFL and the $6 million buyout. Well, if Josh Heupel's getting hired to the NFL, it's not because of his winning at Tennessee. It's because of his offense. The same reason Cliff, Cliff Kingsbury got hired or the same reason um, Matt Rule got hired. He's getting hired because somebody wants to try that offensive scheme. Well, you know, there's a few other coaches now in college football that are running that offensive scheme. Alex Golish at South Florida is obviously the head coach there. He's obviously going to install that scheme. Um, you've got at Old Dominion. Old Dominion, their new coaching staff came from Fordham. They studied Heupel's scheme for – five years or I mean, excuse me for one year, three years ago um, during the pandemic. Um, That's a division one job. Now Lincoln Riley runs a similar offense at USC. There are other coaches you could snag that you won't have to pay $6 million for to try that offense in the NFL. Well, I mean, at some point you would think it's all cyclical. The defense is going to catch up to the, the offense in this regard. And I believe that's going to happen. But the thing that, separates Josh Heupel in my opinion is his ability to take that a next uh, a, a step further so whatever it becomes if they change the rules so that the the wishbone is once again the most prolific offense I think Josh Heupel could adapt to that I don't think he's a one-trick pony and I think his willingness to adapt and his intelligence to be able to adapt is is what makes him really stand out in the uh, eyes of the NFL and the eyes of uh, college football and any schools that might want to come after him. It is funny, and I want to get into this a little bit later, the coaches, some of the coaches that make as much or more right in the ballpark of what Josh Heupel makes. Uh, Mel Tucker, $9.5 million. Uh, we mentioned Mark Stoops, $8.75 million. Lane Kiffin, nine million dollars so we're going to break down some of those a little bit later in the program so be sure and stay tuned and hit the like button so we can bring more people in now smoky mountain red brought up a good point not elite success but james franklin at vanderbilt was impressive in year two he was nine and four well i mean that's fair but vanderbilt by the same token 
basically has five gimmies on their schedule or at least four um, in their non-conference schedule. They don't play anybody. So I, I think James Franklin is a good coach. I don't think he's a great coach. I don't think he's an elite coach. Now, uh, I want to get to Danny White. First, I want to remind you the Big Orange Phillies in North Knoxville is the place to go for fantastic food, a family environment. It's a lot of fun. They've got darts, billiards, and they have cornhole as well. All the TVs, all the games on. Watch the NFL games this weekend and beyond. You'll love it. Big Orange Chili's on Manderville, Pike, close to Manderville, and also close to uh, Halls and Powell and North Knoxville. So I'm going to go a little bit maybe against the grain or at least against what you said earlier. Travis says you have four game. Uh, Tennessee has four gimmies too. That's true. That's true. Um, I, I want to go, uh, but also the SEC East was down when James Franklin was doing that. But nevertheless, let's not get caught up on Vanderbilt. We've got better things to talk about on Thursday. Um, I'm going to go against the grain a little bit because I said in the mid 2000s that Tennessee could recruit a top 10 class, top 15 class with almost any coach. And you and I could uh, put together a top 25 class. So, Caleb, I'm going to say that the, the, your excitement over Danny White and him being underpaid is, is, is maybe a little bit strong in my mind. And here's why I, I say that. He inherited a Rick Barnes. Um, he inherited uh, Tony Vitello. So those are kind of the mainstay programs. And then uh, Kelly Harper in, inherited her as well. Now, if you want to judge 95% of what he does, and this is fair, just based off of football, I can roll with that. But I believe there are a lot of, I think there are more ADs actually that could have success at Tennessee, given the facilities and the support than there are necessarily football coaches that win could win at the championship level, but it sounds like you see a flip flop. Yeah, this might be our first significant disagreement in three weeks doing the show full time in the new oh, format. Yeah. I 1000% disagree. And I, I say that because I agree we could fall out of bed and get a top 25 class at Tennessee. I don't think it's that easy to get a top 10 class at Tennessee. I, I look, I Tennessee high school, Tennessee is not in the best location for recruiting. I can name probably 15 schools that are in more fertile recruiting grounds than Tennessee is. And, and, and so again, Georgia, but I don't think you could name 15 with the support facilities, tradition and recruiting area, but okay. But support facilities, tradition, and those things that oftentimes comes from the athletic director who kind of built those. I mean, we're talking again, we talked yesterday, Doug Dickey, Former Doug Dickey was the reason Fulmer was getting top five classes in the 90s because Doug Dickey, who was always a visionary to his credit in football, you know, for those who don't know, Doug Dickey started the tradition of running through the T and he installed the power T and things like that. In the 90s, Doug Dickey, like you said, was scheduling national TV games. He was going to California every other year, you know, to play UCLA or somebody like that. And I remember one year, oh, I don't remember, but I know one year Tennessee played Colorado at some Disney pigskin classic in 1990, the year Colorado won the national title. It was a kickoff classic. For some reason, it was in Jersey, I believe. Is that no, right? that was – they played Iowa in Jersey. Oh, okay. But, yeah, so Doug Dickey was going to the East Coast, to the West Coast, going to the Midwest. He was trying his best to go all over the country and put Tennessee on national TV, 
Matrix Tennessee had a hundred thousand seat stadium. Um, facility started to get ahead of the curve. That's why Tennessee recruited well. I think what happened in the mid two thousands up until the twenty tens is Tennessee, particularly under Mike Hamilton and definitely under Dave Hart, rested on those laurels and didn't realize that a lot of schools had caught up on facilities. Tennessee's not the only school in the SEC with a 100,000-seat stadium anymore. You can't sell that. Texas A&M can sell that. Georgia can sell that. Alabama can sell that. LSU can sell that now. And so you lose that edge. Um, with SEC TV contracts, recruiting budgets all inflate because, as you know, Dave, once the SEC signed that CBS deal in, I guess, 96, and the money gets dispersed evenly, a lot of other schools were able to put more money into some of these things and catch up with Tennessee on what they were doing. I think what you needed was an athletic director who was going to say, okay, how can we get further ahead of the curve? Um, Smoky Mount Red just said, I think Tennessee can recruit itself. Dooley had a 14th rate class. Smoky Mount Red, you make my point. You can get a top 25 class at Tennessee. You can't necessarily anybody get a top 10 class. Um, well, and then I, I would be curious in your, your thoughts on Danny White. If you're, if you're that high on him, uh, good morning, Chuck. I, if you're that high on him, what what separates him from the pack? Because he's top eight nationally. He's top in the SEC as far as pay, $2.2 million. So they're paying him elite money. So it basically, correct me if I'm wrong, if you've got a third you want to add in there, it comes down to one of two things. It's hiring Josh Heupel, right? Or it's raising money. So you think he's elite in one or both of those categories, hiring a football coach and raising money, correct? Yes, I think he's elite in both of those categories. I think he's elite at hiring, period, if you look at his track record, but he's definitely elite at raising money. He showed that at UCF and Buffalo. And then there's two more things. Let's not forget this. Danny White, not Josh Heupel, had to navigate these two things. Danny White has had to navigate the NCAA investigation the last two years. He Fair. took over when they were in the midst of it. And more importantly than that, Danny White navigated NIL, and this is what I talk about getting ahead of the curve. I said five years ago, I think Tennessee's best way to get a lead again is to get out ahead of the curve and just become the Yankees or the Red Sox and just get out in front of paying players. Danny White got that, and he got out in front of it. Tennessee has the largest NIL collective in all of college football right now. Number one, Spire Sports is number one. And it's actually, from what I've read, there's the two through five is not really close to Tennessee at number one. More importantly, it's competent. As we know, Florida was top five, but Florida can't pay players what they're promising. So I think Danny White, I think that's all Danny White. And I said this, and I said this yesterday at Off the Hook Sports. I'm making a bold prediction. I think UCF is might be the top dog school in Florida in 20 years because of what Danny White did there. He made Buffalo, I think you might see Buffalo work its way into maybe joining the ACC or some power five school in 20 years because of what Danny White did up there. I'm very, very Buffalo now is seen as the state school in New York because it is the state school, but you know, it, it's called university of Buffalo. So it's a little confusing, right. but he really created a New York identity up there. I think Danny White is very ahead of the curve. And he said, he said what I've been waiting for someone to say at Tennessee for 20 years. I'm sorry. I'm so sick of people talking about the old traditions at Tennessee, because even though those are important, and those matter, what people don't understand is when Tennessee was always at its best, it's because they were the ones starting new traditions and new things and breaking the mold. They were the first school to, they were the second school to integrate in the SEC, the first school to embrace Title IX. And Danny White was finally the one to say Tennessee's tradition is breaking tradition. That's when they're at their best. Their tradition is doing unique things and thinking outside the box. Well, you're, 
your problem with the the Buffalo thing in particular, maybe UCF, is I think we're uh, we're really close to having a power two instead of a power five. I think we're going to have a super conference, <laughs> and then and then everybody gets left out, including Vanderbilt, which is good because when bad things happen to the Commodores, that's that's good for life in general. Uh, Smoky Mountain Red said Butch even got a seventh ranked class. Forget about that class. I just think we can. Uh, we have horrible coaches that skewed the ranking for Tennessee, but time will tell. Yes, Butch Jones, let's remember this. Take this in context. Whenever we talk about his recruiting rankings, here is a guy who would call in some of the guys that set the rankings or have influence and yell and scream at them if a guy was a three-star instead of a four-star. So let's keep that in mind. He played the politics game in recruiting. I doubt very seriously that Josh Heupel has called one dude and said, hey, it would be really nice if Ethan Davis was a five-star instead of a four-star. I seriously doubt that happened. Now, I know that a couple of guys were bumped recently, and one was Nico. The reason they were bumped, I'm just going to go ahead and tell you, is because they were bumped by On3, which one of their biggest team sites is uh, the Tennessee site, which would be VolQuest. So, they're going to do them favors to make them look bigger and, and, and better and, and make their fans happier. And that's fine. I get it. Um, and I don't really have a, a problem with that. Just that's information that you may not know. So those guys are going to be boosted up. I don't know the other big on three schools, but I'm sure there are some. I know Rivals tends to look out for Texas A&M because that's one of their biggest sites. And you could go on down through the list. So the I don't believe that Josh Heupel is playing the politics game when it comes to recruiting. So whenever we talk about Butch Jones, you have to remember that that is a factor in his recruiting rankings. Were they good? Yeah, they were pretty good. Were they inflated? Yes, they were very inflated. Portions of the program brought to you by Zach England of Best and Brock, a personal injury attorney in Chattanooga that can go toe-to-toe with any insurance uh, attorney out there and he will get you what you deserve that is zach england of best of brock zach england of best and brock right there in chattanooga personal injury attorney that's all about you smoky mountain red saying tennessee and danny white was ready for the nil and that shocked me yeah i mean the the funny thing about this is caleb the question about josh heupel was can he recruit now i think he can but am I 100% certain? No, because I think NIL has played in his favor so much. It's kind of like a stepping stool. Um, you know, uh, my dog getting a little bit older, he needs a stool to get up on the bed. He can't jump like he used to, which reminds me, you need to go to Craft Treats. And Craft Treats will give you 20% off the chill pills with the CBD that will help with your dog's arthritis, anxiety digestive issues and uh, use the promo code off the hook and you will get 20% off. How awesome is that? So uh, craft treats, there you go. Crafttreats.com. They've got the chill pills, but the NIL has certainly given Tennessee a boost, especially if the numbers that we've heard reported about Nico are correct, right? I mean, they don't go out to California and get that young man, most likely, unless there is some sort of financial attachment to that. Would you agree with that? Totally agree. I mean, totally agree. And this leads to my point. I think me and you both agree to a certain degree, Tennessee recruiting is about the is, is about the school, not the coach. 
I just argued that it's about the school when you have the right athletic director doing things. So Tennessee recruited itself in the 90s, and it's recruiting itself now. I don't think it recruited itself that much in the 2010s. And yeah, that, that Butch class, it was actually number five, those two. 2014, he had back-to-back top five classes. Neither of those classes were top five. I watched Drew Richmond and Jalen Hurd play. Those were not five-star recruits, and I don't know who was on crack and gave them five-star ratings. And so, um, you know. Uh, well, I can promise you that he was he was very influential in pushing the guys that do the recruiting rankings one way. So, again, uh, click that like button, and we greatly appreciate that. It brings more people into the channel. We love your comments, and uh, that helps bring more people in as well. And if you have not subscribed, and I was looking at the numbers yesterday, still 80% of our regular viewers have not subscribed. So we want you to subscribe we would greatly appreciate that. David John saying uh, Josh doesn't have enough time to play politics with NIL, transfer portal, uh, roster management, and coaching. You know why he doesn't, David? And you brought that up. And I was thinking about this last night uh, in a conversation with John Adams. It's on our YouTube channel, the Knoxville News Sentinel. You know why he doesn't? Because he wants Tennessee to be number one. He doesn't just want to hold on to his job. I will never forget the time that Butch Jones told a, a good friend of mine who was a reporter, still is a reporter at Tennessee, and they were standing on the sidelines, and he visited with Butch Jones for the Alabama game when Butch was on uh, that uh, the Alabama staff as an analyst. And Butch Jones said to him, because Tennessee was down again, and Butch Jones said to him, yeah, winning nine games seems pretty good right now. No, no. I, winning nine games is fine. Winning nine games is not great. It's not time to hold a uh, some sort of parade down Gay Street. That's not that's not nine wins is not that. That's not the program that Tennessee is. So to your point, David, if if your goal is to keep your job and your goal is that that's your goal at the end of the day to keep your job and be Tennessee's coach for 15 or 20 years like Butch Jones. Well, then you do have time to manipulate the recruiting rankings because that's your goal. If your goal is to win a championship, like I believe it is Josh Heupel's, you don't have time to do that. Does that make sense, Caleb? Yeah, no, that makes perfect sense. And you're right. I feel like Butch Jones was under the, you know, I kind of wondered about this at the time and you probably know more about this than I do, but it seemed like the more the pressure got on him, the more he cracked. And I mean, it just, the more he wilted. Because you're right, he seemed like he was all. He seemed like he never felt like he was ready for that type of big time job. Honestly, and he probably would have been better had he got an Arkansas State job. I, I don't know. I, I don't know that he'd ever. I, I'm just just. Well, I'm, he was insecure because people rightly felt that. Well, maybe not rightly, but his success at Cincinnati and Central Michigan came after Brian, right after Brian Kelly, and people felt that. Um, I think he was insecure because a lot of people felt that he inherited that success, which I think is sometimes unfair to him. Um, that I have nothing nice to say about him, but that particular analysis is unfair. But you can, you know, Josh Heupel, Josh Heupel wasn't insecure about that at all when people said he inherited what Scott Frost did. And so, you know, the other thing too is we've learned that Cincinnati's probably a better job than we thought back then. Oh yeah, it absolutely it, it probably has. There's probably more recruiting talent there that Ohio State can't take, and. Um, you stay close to home. Um, yeah. So in, in retrospect, as we look at that, it's, it's, it's probably a better job than we thought. So it's easier to have success there. The schedule is not going to be as tough in the sec. I could go on and on and on, but we're going to compare 
Josh Heupel to the other coaches in the $9 million club. And it's a pretty exclusive club, the coaches that are making $9 million. So looking forward to that. Remind you that Zul Beer is the official craft beer of Off the Hook Sports, xulbeer.com. Support our sponsors because we love them. They are fantastic, and we believe in them. We either utilize their services now or would if we needed them. So that's zulbeer.com. Great parking downtown, zulbeer.com. Worldwide award-winning craft beer. Where does Josh Heupel rank in the $9 million club? Makes me think of the $6 million man, which I know is way before... Caleb Calhoun's time because I'm old back in three minutes. Where does he rank? Higher than you think, but maybe not as high as you want. Stay tuned after this. Family has been creating jewelry since 1986. Each piece unique with a story all its own. I'm Rick Terry with Rick Terry Jewelry Designs. I'm a jeweler and I want to be your jeweler. We're grateful that you chose us to be Knoxville's best jeweler. My family and staff look forward to serving you. So please come see us. Kingston Pike and Campbell Station Road in the heart of Farragut and downtown on Gay Street, right next to the Tennessee Theater. Inflation has risen to the highest level in over 40 years, according to the April 2022 U.S. Inflation Calculator. Will your investments provide you the income you need in retirement? Are you losing purchasing power of your savings due to inflation. Simply stated, if the cost of goods and services are 8% higher and you're only earning 4% in your investments, that money buys you less of what you need. Right now is the time to act. Call Guardian Investment Advisors today. Hey folks, Gary Viles here. I want to personally invite you to North Knoxville's newest sports bar and restaurant. It's Big Orange Phillies, located in Black Oak Center. And yes, folks, it's happening in halls. Big Orange Phillies offers family-friendly environment with homemade meals and the best deli-style subs around. Billiards, darts, jukebox, shuffleboard, and cornhole, and a full bar. We also offer valet parking on weekends and during special events. We even have a covered back patio. It's happening at Big Orange Phillies. We want, we need, and we appreciate your business. Hi, Mike Davis here with City Heating and Air, reminding you to always dare to compare. Our team provides quality local heating and air service, installation, and maintenance across East Tennessee. We use only the best equipment like American Standard Heating and Air Conditioning for your residential, new construction, or commercial needs. Honesty, dependability, and customer satisfaction have been the cornerstones of our business since 1961. City Heat and Air. Dare to compare. Chattanooga, we're at it again. For the fifth year in a row, you voted us best of the best criminal and DUI law firm. And finalists for best law firm and best personal injury firm. Thank you for the love, Chattanooga. We won't let you down. Do you want to own the more that owns every job? Then get to Vasty Lawn and Garden in Cleveland and get you a Toro. I'm David Vasty, here to talk to you about Toro. With a Toro Zero Turn, you'll get more out of every minute and you'll reach the finish line faster. At Bassey's, we like to say, no matter if you're mowing three acres a week or 11 lawns a day, homeowners and business owners alike find confidence in equipment they can trust from top to bottom. Bassey Lawn and Garden, Highway 60 North in Cleveland. Man alive, it's worth the drive. Got cataracts? We can fix that. Never miss another moment. With a little help from Drs. Campbell, Cunningham, Taylor, and Hahn at CCTIs.com.
remind you, Viles Automotive Group is the epicenter of car buying nowadays in Knoxville. It's moved to Callahan Drive, the epicenter that is of car buying, is right there on Callahan Drive, and you will love it. Viles Automotive Group has a selection that's tough to come by, and they treat their customers like family. They want, they need, and they appreciate your business. Files Automotive Group can also do financing. They've got a service department that is going to get your car fixed, but not going to throw in a bunch of add-ons. That's because you're just good people. Files Automotive Group on Callahan. Again, support our sponsors. And hit that like button as I want to get into uh, something that I I think we'll, we'll probably disagree on that. You, you mentioned earlier, Caleb, that we, we probably agreed too much because – I guess one of us could be Shannon Sharp and the other could be uh, Stephen A. Smith if we wanted to mix it up and, and make up reasons to to disagree. But uh, we we haven't done that yet. So um, I, I don't think we're going to go that way. Try to be genuine. And uh, that's that's kind of the goal. And and sometimes maybe it rubs people the wrong way, because I'll tell you what I think. And um, I know that there have been times where. Maybe some players were criticized for Tennessee's football team. I know people got on to us about the Jeremy Banks thing. But uh, I, I do know that uh, if you tune in to this show, that you're not going to get uh, orange-colored glasses and you're not going to get somebody with some sort of axe to grind. So that's kind of our mantra as uh, we provide genuine opinions. And so we, we look at Josh Heupel's contract and i wanted to play a little game but first uh tennessee is in the right i was told by somebody within tennessee's program there's a good chance they don't sign one person on national signing day which sounds like complete craziness does it not but that's i mean it used to be like the busiest day of my year uh, it was 6 a.m to 7 p.m and that day was ended by a shot of makers mark bourbon and um because it was a long day caleb it was not fun but Tennessee might not sign one guy on National Signing Day, the second one. But they are in the running for a pretty good uh, defensive back. So what can you tell me about him? He's on Off the Hook Sports because there's something I wanted to pull up that um, from a production value is absolutely integral to the success of today's program. <laughs> maybe, yeah. maybe over speaking just a little bit. Well, um, so it's uh, Davison Igbonison. He is an old Miss transfer, um, and he's looking at a lot of places. Uh, by the way, everybody, go to offthehooksports.com. Check out Caleb Jaru's article on it. Uh, Caleb Jaru is just an amazing, amazing uh, recruiting transfer uh, uh, writer for us. Uh, we love him a lot. Um, but uh, um, Davison Igbonis, uh sorry, I can't even pronounce his last name a lot of times. Igbonison, excuse me. Uh, I apologize. I think that's uh, very good. <laughs> I had you do it instead of me. Oh, okay. Well played, Dave. Um, he has entered the transfer portal. He was a freshman All-American cornerback, um, which is a big deal. So this guy's elite. You wonder why he's entering the transfer portal. It's because Ole Miss is changing defensive coordinators. Um, they just hired uh, Pete Golding from Alabama. And from my understanding, it sounds like uh, – this particular cornerback uh, had committed to the previous Ole Miss defensive coordinator. Um, so I think that is probably the reason that he's looking at the transfer portal. And I got to be honest, 
I think part of it has to do with, uh, by the way, part of it has to do with um, the fact that Pete Golding, I don't think was that good at uh, Alabama last year. I, I'm just going to be honest. Um, and, if, and if he was good, I don't think he'd be leaving Alabama to take a lesser job, if that makes sense. So no, I completely agree. I don't think either of their coordinators were very good. Yeah, no, I'm with you. Um, and uh, Marcus Crumb Jr., um, who it sounds like he had committed to, was the co-defensive coordinator last year, and he's now gone on to SMU, also taking a lesser job. So now Ole Miss is still in the running to get him to come back, but he is looking, uh, and he said it was based on the coaching changes. Tennessee was in the running when he was being recruited. I think there's a – look, they just got BYU transfer Gabe Judy Lally, but I, I will tell you right now, if this guy commits, he'll start at quarterback – He'll start a cornerback in a second. I mean, this would almost be – it wouldn't because Josh Heupel's not as incompetent or ridiculous or just insane as Ed Orgeron, but it would almost be a Schaefer situation where it's like, yeah, I don't care who – I don't care what happens. He's starting the minute he steps on campus. <laughs> um, and somebody on our message board, too, said if he plays for Lane, just go ahead and take him so you can bench him. That's pretty <laughs> funny. Uh, Smoky Mountain Red said, I do think with the current setup and Josh Danny inspired Tennessee should stay in the top 10 recruiting rankings easily. I agree. I think that's uh, the, the bottom of the barrel is being 10. And I think you're going to see that they're going to start to creep up there to the top five. Levi said, does a hypo scheme give a recruit with NFL aspirations reason for concern i've wondered that aloud and um i've talked to people about that i think probably to some extent it does and probably is going to be the same with quarterbacks now at the end of the day tommy frazier was hurt by the system he ran but would he turn down those national championships and the success they had at nebraska no so i don't think it really affects tennessee and I think there are enough receivers to go around, and I think they utilize them so well in the scheme. I don't think they're ever going to have a situation where they don't have receivers. But, yeah, I would start to look at that. Are you running professional route trees? Absolutely not. You're running a, a read based off of a safety. And um, David's saying crazy to think $6 million used to be an astronomical number. I remember Lee Majors, especially Lindsey Wagner. Absolutely. Here's something for you, David. Did you know that? Lee, do you know who Lee Majors is, Caleb Calhoun? Uh, wasn't he in the Six Million Dollar Man? Yes. Did you know okay. he was named after Johnny Majors? I did not know that. That really? is a true story. John, he he just he liked. I think he's from Kentucky, and he liked Tennessee football, and so he needed a stage name. Google this if you if you need to, but he needed a stage name because his other name was Goofy, like. Uh, oh, his other name was Harvey Lee, and after the Kennedy assassination, you probably don't want those two names together. <laughs> oh, good point. So he went. He he liked Johnny Majors and Tennessee football, so he picked Majors. A lot of people don't know that. Lindsey Wagner, I have zero idea where her name came from. Um, Smoky Mountain Red on the wide receiver issue said he thought that at first wide receiver shine in this offense. That's true. I mean, their their athletic ability is going to shine. So. I think on the NFL good. point, too, like that would have mattered like 20, 30 years ago. Like I would, I always said, and you probably would have too, if you're an offensive player and you want to make it in the NFL 30 years ago, you go play for David Cutcliffe, who's going to develop you. Mm -hmm. um, I think nowadays NFL systems are a little bit more focused on what players can do and not what they're deficient in. And so I think they're a little more, they're less conventional than they were 30 years ago. So I think there's more room. John said, how close are we from a full pool limit of scholarship players? 
I don't know the 85 number and where they are at that. It's typically 25 and 85 are the numbers that you look at. 25 in the class, 85 overall scholarship players on on a roster. So, you know, right now they have, um, gosh, 20, uh, 25. Does that sound right? 25 players. I mean, it's so difficult nowadays to keep track of it. Um, as far as the enrollees, they have 19. Um, they have got they have six guys that have signed their letter of intent. And yeah, their class has 25, and then they have I guess five six transfer portal players. But they lost players to the portal, so yeah, eight transfer players according to GoVols 24/7. So yeah, I, it's really tough to to put that number on it to be honest with you because the way guys go in and out. I know that was a number I used to keep track of closely and try and Travis saying did Lee Majors fly Airwolf by any chance well he was supposed to it was there was going to be a prequel to Airwolf and or a sequel I guess it would be all right so the last point sorry NIL money renders number of scholarships somewhat irrelevant if you're a school like Tennessee there are some players that probably can take the NIL money to cover their scholarships I'm just saying would they be allowed to do that though in all sincerity surely not Walk, I mean, a walk on that it'd be a walk on, but take some NIL money to cover the scholarship because they're they reach the limit. You don't think there's you don't think that's going to happen? <laughs> uh, question Is there a hard cutoff date that stops the transfer from playing next season? Not really. Who was the running back they took like two weeks before the season? Lynn J. Dixon, and then he left like two weeks or like, yeah. <laughs> so I mean, he was in practice ready to roll. So I mean, th- there's not really a hard number. Um, so here's what I want to do. Uh, it's a, it's a brand new game that I came up with. It's called better, never, or prove it. So here's what we're going to do. We're going to look at the coaches in the $9 million club and it's beginning to be a not so exclusive club, but it's still pretty exclusive to this point. Uh, by my number, I've got, uh, eight, 10, I've got 10 in the $9 million club. So, Here's the way this is going to work. Josh Heupel, at the end of the day, at the end of his career, when he hangs up the headset and he puts the clipboard down, um, I I want to ask you: Will he be? Uh, can he be better as far as his resume um, than the particular coach I'm going to throw at you, or never, or prove it? So it's better never or prove it. Does that make sense? Yep, makes perfect sense. Okay, I wasn't sure. Sometimes I come up with these things and I don't feel really sure that they make sense. So uh, we're, we're pulling this out of the hat because uh, YouTube won't let me play The Price is Right, which is the greatest show in the history of man next to Airwolf and the $6 million man. But uh, here we go with a little game show music. Let's, let's see what we get out of this because we are going to play Better, Never, or Prove It. I like this. What do you think? Let's go. I love it. Very game showy. Okay. Better never or prove it. Dabo Sweeney makes $11.5 million. Is Josh Heupel better never or prove it? I'm going to go prove it. I mean, you know, I don't see, like, if you win two national championships, you're already there. I'm not going to judge him on the number of SEC championships versus Dabo's ACC championships. Winning AC, you should have, I think winning five ACC titles counts as one SEC title. So I'll go prove it. I'm going to pr- go prove it as well. And I think there's a decent chance he will. Nick Saban, never better or prove it. 
Never. Uh, seven national championships. Like Once in a 50-year type of coach. So I would go never there as well. Kirby Smart, better never or prove it. I'm going to say prove it, but I'm close to the never. But to be fair, this is based on results, and I just think it's so much easier to win at Georgia than it is at Tennessee. But I'm going to say prove it. I'm going to say prove it. So I'm I'm going to go never just the start he's off to um, and the recruiting backyard that he has compared to Tennessee. By the way, Dabo was at 11.5, Nick Saban 11.1 million, uh, Kirby Smart at 10.5 million. Lincoln Riley at 10 million, that's estimated because Southern California is a private school. So better never or prove it. I'm going better. Look, Lincoln Riley has been at a high-profile job for five, six years, and he's knocked on the door with the playoff but hasn't really pushed through. I'm going better. And also, Lincoln Riley runs the same offense Josh Heupel ran. He, Josh Heupel was railroaded for Lincoln Riley by Bob Stoops. Everybody go look that story up. I am going – agreed. I'm taking better because of the loyalty that Josh Heupel has shown in this latest contract. I think if you yeah. hired the two – I would take Josh Heupel over Lincoln Riley. So I'm going to go better based off that. As far as coaching, probably pretty even. Ryan Day, $9.5 million, Ohio State. Better never approve it. First easy one, better. Ryan Day's massively underachieved at Ohio State. Better, not even questioning. I agree, better. Brian Kelly, who I know you like, LSU, $9.5 million. Better never approve it. Hot take, never, never. And I say, I think not because on equal footing, maybe Josh Heupel would do better, but Brian Kelly is a coach with brain cells at LSU. That's a scary combination. <laughs> so I'm looking at also considering him as a coach. So if you were starting Calhoun University. I'd probably go Hypel then. I would probably go Hypel, but I would be in the prove it mode at that point. I'd be in the prove it. I just don't think Hypel is going to come close to the level of success Kelly has because I think Kelly is positioned to absolutely demolish the SEC West in the next few years. I agree. Uh, I would say prove it because I, I, I want to see it, but I, I tend to agree with you that I think he's an uh, incredibly good coach. Brian Kelly, $9.5 million. We just did oh, Brian Kelly. I said Brian Kelly. Mel Tucker, $9.5 million. Better. Yeah, better. Was better than him. Jimbo Fisher, $9 million. Better never prove it. Better. Jimbo Fisher is resting on the laurels of one national championship with Jameis Winston, a lucky national championship, and a loaded Florida State team at that. I think better. Yeah. I, I, I think better. And I don't think you're going to have the really sorted off the field issues that they had at Florida State. I also don't think he's going to leave any school because of his integrity and just a total dumpster fire like Jimbo Fisher did. But Jimbo State. Fisher is so ahead of the curve. He loses on purpose so he can get better recruits for playing time. Remember it, when he said that? This? <laughs> it, helps his, it helps his draft uh, prospects. Um, Lane Kiffin, $9 million. Better never prove it. Okay. I'm going to go better. I would say prove it, but I just think Josh Heupel is a more stable coach than Lane Kiffin. If I were hiring a coach tomorrow, in terms of offensive minds, I would say prove it. But I'm in terms of who I trust to be more competent and stable running things, I think Josh Heupel. I'm going to say better. I'll take Josh Heupel. Uh, brought to you by AnnieMasonRealEstate.com. That's better never or prove it. Andy we agree Mason. way too much, Dave. <laughs> Mix 
setup soon. Uh, AndyMasonRealEstate.com. Andy Mason is your home for the best service, the best prices in all of Knoxville when it comes to real estate. Don't make some sort of mistake that could cost you thousands or tens of thousands of dollars. Trust me, go to AndyMasonRealEstate.com. And it's very easy to get in touch with Andy and 40 years of experience in his office. That is just absolutely phenomenal when it comes to finding you the home you need, saving you money. And if you need to move your home, they can do that as well and get you the right price for it. Love Andy Mason, Andy Mason, realestate.com. Coming up, uh, some more on Hypel, the pay scale, your thoughts on the message board. We want to get to a lot of different uh, comments. And uh, also, we'll talk a little bit of recruiting as Tennessee is expected to have some visitors in this weekend, as we're already talking about. 2024 that's pretty much where we are nowadays so uh stay tuned back in just two minutes off the hook sports maybe two and a half he's caleb calhoun i'm david sun sand and salt water the beach is a very relaxing place unless you wear contacts ow Open your eyes to the best the beach has to offer with lasik vision correction from campbell cunningham laser center ah do you want to own the more that owns every job? Then get the Vasti Lawn and Garden in Cleveland and get you a Toro. I'm David Vasti, here to talk to you about Toro. With a Toro Zero Turn, you'll get more out of every minute and you'll reach the finish line faster. At Vasti's, we like to say, no matter if you're mowing three acres a week or 11 lawns a day, homeowners and business owners alike find confidence in equipment they can trust from top to bottom. Vasti Lawn and Garden, Highway 60 North in Cleveland. Man alive, it's worth the drive. Hey folks, Gary Viles here, Viles Automotive on Callahan Drive. I've been selling cars here in East Tennessee for 27 years. In that time, I've come to realize it's not about the car. It's about you, the customer. So I'm here to take care of you just like family. Good credit, bad credit, you name it, we can get you taken care of. If we don't have it, we can find it for you. We go across the country to get any vehicle that you want. And here at Viles Automotive, we don't believe in fake numbers. We just give you great deals. And as always, we want, we need, and we appreciate your business. Hi, Mike Davis here with City Heating and Air, reminding you to always dare to compare. Our team provides quality local heating and air service, installation, and maintenance across East Tennessee. We use only the best equipment, like American Standard Heating and Air Conditioning for your residential, new construction, or commercial needs. Honesty, dependability, and customer satisfaction have been the cornerstones of our business since 1961. City Heat and Air. Dare to compare. Chattanooga, we're at it again. For the fifth year in a row, you voted us best of the best criminal and DUI law firm. And finalists for best law firm and best personal injury firm. Thank you for the love, Chattanooga. We won't let you down. Our family has been creating jewelry since 1986. Each piece unique with a story all its own. I'm Rick Terry with Rick Terry Jewelry Designs. I'm a jeweler and I want to be your jeweler. We're grateful that you chose us to be Knoxville's best jeweler. My family and staff look forward to serving you. So please come see us. Kingston Pike and Campbell Station Road in the heart of Farragut and downtown on Gay Street, right next to the Tennessee Theater. So Caleb says that Danny White's worth $10 million. 
Danny White just texted me and said, thank you, Caleb. Is he really? No, he's very glad to hear that. Um, By the way, Caleb Calhoun, soon to take a part-time job with Jimmy Sexton's agency. Guys, I am not running. If anybody wants to read my track record, I'm not running cover for Tennessee ADs. I was hard on John Curry before the Greg Schiano hire. I said him. I said right when John Curry was hired, you can look it up at my old blog, All for Tennessee. I said he's an awful hire for the Vols. So I don't carry the water cooler for athletic directors at Tennessee. Uh, I promise you that. No, I don't think that. Or it wouldn't be on. Um, so David <laughs> said way too much time left in Heupel's career to establish his ceiling. No, but that's what makes it fun. At this point, if if I put it at one and a half national titles, would you take the over? Or if I just put it at a half national title, will he eventually win a national championship? Yeah, I take the over on that easily. Um, the only way he wouldn't is if he left early for an NFL job, and I don't think he'd leave for an NFL job given his buyout unless, like, until after he won a national title. So, um, I, I the, to me, the big bugaboo is Kirby Smart. Do you have the next Saban in your division? I mean, you do, but like you can still. I mean, let's put, let's put it this way, Caleb. If if Kirby Smart said, "I want to take the Dolphins' job and do what Saban couldn't do tomorrow," then I would say over under Josh Heupel one and a half. I would I would take the over on national titles. Okay, so my thing with Kirby Smart is that we keep talking about this with Nick Saban. Nick Saban didn't win it every year. Nick Saban's only won back-to-back titles once. Meaning there's other there's avenues for other people to, you know, come through. And for the record, I mean, outside of that 2014 to 2016 era where he won three straight SEC titles, it's not like he had a complete monopoly on the SEC. As a matter of fact, take national titles out of it. I'd say Spurrier dominated the SEC more in the 90s than Nick Saban dominated the SEC during his run. Um, man, I don't know. I... You've got the Ole Miss back-to-back losses. You've got Georgia has caught him. I guess if if you want to compare the two, that Saban's a little more extended maybe, and Spurrier was just red hot for, what, just right out of a decade? I mean, he won won six national titles in 12 years. I mean, there were four straight in 95. Yeah, and he – 95-96, he didn't lose an SEC game. And, guys – Tennessee fans are going to hate me on this. He should have won seven SEC titles. Florida had a better record in the SEC than Tennessee in 1990. It's just they were on probation this year. So Spurrier basically won seven SEC titles in 12 years at Tennessee. Um, So one in the last four years, because you're right, as we've talked, actually one in the last five, only one over the last five. But that 1990 to 1996 run, I mean, four straight SEC titles at one point, back-to-back undefeated seasons in the SEC. And mainly all because of his scheming, because as me and you talked about, it wasn't like he was out recruiting the best talent every day. He didn't really care to do that. How much different is his legacy if they are able to beat Tennessee and they were, what, a 14 and a half point favorite in Gainesville? Seven, 18 and a half. 18 and a half. If, if they beat Tennessee in that 2001 game and he goes on to, they would have won the SEC title game against LSU. I mean, they wouldn't have overlooked them. Tennessee just wasn't, for some reason, prepared to handle that sort of success and was handing out 
roses at Tom Black Track. But and, and he goes and plays Miami. Let's say potentially even wins that. How much does his legacy change with two national titles? I think it hits another level altogether. Yeah, I think it does too. Largely because a lot of people don't know this about Spurrier, but if the BCS existed from the time he took over at Florida, he wouldn't have any national titles. The only reason Spurrier has a national title is because Arizona State, who was undefeated in 96, was forced into the Rose Bowl because of the Rose Bowl contract, and they lost to Ohio State, which is why Florida was allowed the rematch with Florida State in the 96 national title game, in the 97 Sugar Bowl. Um, you know, so I, I look, that's why I say on a national scale, Nick Saban's a greater coach, more legendary, but I don't think Nick Saban ever dominated the SEC the way Spurrier dominated the SEC during those first seven years. I've never seen a coach. I mean, the only thing that comes close is General Nealon from 1938 to 1940. Well, I thought also he elevated the level of play i mean I, tennessee obviously elevated the, the level of play internally they recruited at a higher level they won some battles in georgia they won that because jim donham was there and jim donham was not a very formidable foe you had brad scott in south carolina so I, i'm i'm gonna differ with you there i would take saban's run over spurrier's i think he was he was more dominant because his competitors weren't that great at the time. I think it was uh, easier to recruit. Um, I think it was easier to recruit for Tennessee. I think it was easier to recruit for Florida. So, but nevertheless, I mean, you take it, if Josh Heupel could have either one of those runs, wouldn't you take them right now? Oh, easily. And you're overselling Nick Saban's competitors. He had Ed Orr's run and less miles as mines to deal with. <laughs> West. And he had Butch Jones's mind to deal with. And so, I mean, that's fair. But yeah, I mean, the SEC West, it was. I wonder if coaches turned those jobs down because Nick Saban was there, or is just he got lucky like Tennessee did with Adonna and Scott and guys like that? Well, with the LSU thing, and I know we want to talk about this, LSU is just really dumb with how they run their program. So they just make the dumbest hires. They're incompetent at everything they do. They're just lucky that they're in a place that's loaded with football talent. Speaking of, um, they overpaid Brian Kelly, which I've never never heard of. Uh, <laughs> Sorry, this is such a good story. Uh, I want you to share that. Brought to you by Campbell Cunningham, Taylor and Han, local vision, uh, care and correction, right there in Knoxville, and it's uh, just phenomenal. Campbell Cunningham, Taylor and Han, and they care about you, and they can do LASIK surgery. They can do um, also cataract surgery but just uh you know year to year eye care they do that as well campbell cunningham taylor and han so to, tell me about lsu just decides to throw a million dollars an extra mill brian kelly's way so this comes from the greater baton rouge business report um there was some mispaperwork discovered by the louisiana legislative auditor's office the school accidentally gave brian kelly over a million dollars across May and June of last year because of a clerical error. Already has a 10-year, $95 million contract, in over, and they gave him an extra million over a month. Um, so uh, apparently uh, he was paid twice across the months of May and June before the discrepancy was noticed, and um, apparently they reached some sort of agreement after that. But yes, Brian Kelly was overpaid by a little bit and i i just can't get over how hilarious this story is we you know we talked about florida earlier in the week 
there are some really incompetent administrations in the SEC, Dave. And I'm like, are these the top two? Are these the two most incompetent run administrations in the SEC at this point? You know, LSU, the decision to hire Ed Orgeron, and I know they won a championship out of it, was very questionable. Um, but it, it sounds weird to say that when they won a national title. They've done a lot of things that are questionable. The fact that they were just basically non-existent for the 80s um, and a good bit of the 90s with, with all that talent is befuddling. How you could just fall off the map for two decades blows my mind. I, I, I'll, never, I'll never get that the same way I'll never get that Florida wasn't relevant in the 80s. I just don't understand how you can't be with all that talent around you. So you know, I, I'll, I'll defend LSU a little bit. They've got a great baseball program. Will Wade was a terrible hire, but I've been told by people in the know in college basketball that uh, LSU doesn't support its men's uh, basketball program and so that you basically have to cheat to have success there. So maybe that goes to your point. Um, yeah, I mean, you're – you basically are standing on third in terms of football and said you just hit a triple um, you know, because there is so much talent there, whether or not you got walked around the bases or not. So, um, yeah, I, it's, it's, it's hard for me to figure out why LSU isn't one of the most dominant programs in the history of football. So I guess that speaks to your point. They should be right up there with the Notre Dames, the Alabamas, uh, the Southern Californias, if you want to go back a little bit further, the Miamis, if you want to stay more recent uh, in the 2000s and uh, 80s and 90s. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it, it, the fact that they're not considered one of the elite football programs and kind of in that second tier is really, really bizarre. To me. Yeah, and we see how incompetently run they are just for evidence of it. One of their former athletic directors was the president of the NCAA or commissioner of the NCAA, whatever you want to say, Mark Emmert. And Mark Emmert the, is the reason the NCAA was called flat-footed with NIL money because they refused to get out ahead of it because they were trying to hold on to something that they knew was not going to hold up in court. And, you know, that's, you know, that's where the NCAA is now. Um you know, just for the record, just so people know, you know, we talk about like things like, a, you know, in basketball, there's an, you know, we, the NCAA tournament, that's an NC, that's a tournament sanctioned by the NCAA. The college football playoff is technically not sanctioned by the NCAA. That's its own agreement among the conferences. I'm not even really sure there is an NCAA anymore. Yeah, I, I'm really sure too. I got in this uh, conversation with somebody on Twitter. I'm just really not sure that you have an NCAA other than, the NCAA basketball tournament, what do they do? Uh, who is, I mean, who is going to be in charge of enforcement? I don't know who that is. It leads me to this question. And you have Josh Heupel and Brian Kelly that are both in very good positions at their individual schools for different reasons. I think that both have great tradition, both have great facilities, but it appears as if Josh Heupel as a bit of an offensive mind. Brian Kelly, maybe you could say is, um, well, you would say he's most all-time wins at Notre Dame. He's a more accomplished coach, maybe has a bit of uh, an overall feel to a program, if you wanted to argue that more than Josh Heupel, who's a little bit younger. Uh, I'm, I'm drawing some conclusions to compare the two, but you have in-state talent at LSU, and then at Tennessee you have good talent around the area 
uh, if you include Atlanta and Nashville and so on, but not the same. But you have NIL, which they appear to have mastered. So are we looking at, and I know Brian Kelly's considerably older, but are we looking at the two next great coaches? Because you know, Nick Saban is going to retire within three or four years, surely, to goodness. Uh, you have Kirby Smart, who already is a great coach. Mark Stoops is considered a great coach because he wins at Kentucky, but that's a sliding scale. Are, are we, are, as far as the next great coach in the SEC, is it as easy as looking at Josh Heupel and Brian Kelly and choosing between the two? Kirby Smart, uh, Kirby Smart, notwithstanding, yeah. I've already, I mean, got, I've already got him established. Okay, yeah, 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 but no, yeah, you're right. Josh Heupel and Brian Kelly. I mean, the next, the question is really who's going to win a national championship first between those two. Tennessee, ha- they're both smart coaches. Tennessee, as an administration, has brains. LSU's administration has no brains. Um, and but Brian Kelly has brains. And what we've seen at LSU is again. You need a combination of one brain cell between like everybody involved in running the football program to win a national mm-hmm. title there. You need a little bit more intelligence at Tennessee and Tennessee has more intelligence. Um, so I think Josh Heupel and Brian Kelly are probably on equal footing in terms of offensive minds. Brian Kelly runs a, it's technically considered a spread, but you know, there's pro elements to it and he adapts. He's very good at adapting to his schemes, which you can adapt to your system. You can adapt to your personnel when you can get great personnel and he can get great personnel at LSU. Um, so I think, look, I've been on this for a while. I, I loved what LSU did when they threw him all that money. I thought it was a brilliant move. I think, I don't care what anybody says. Notre Dame fans got mad at me. LSU's a better job than Notre Dame by a thousand percent there. If you ask any, it, it is so much easier to win at LSU than Notre Dame. And I think Brian Kelly made the right move going to Notre Dame. I mean, going to LSU, um, and I think he's going to win big there. I think with Josh Heupel, I think it's more he's got a creative offensive mind, so he's going to win big because of that. But he's also going to win big because he's got very good administrative support that I think is going to make Tennessee competitive with programs like LSU and Georgia that are in more fertile recruiting grounds where, as I said, with LSU, you know, I you could put me as athletic director of that program tomorrow with no AD experience, and I can make that a national championship program in a heartbeat. Travis says, which coach do you value more? One that can rebuild and compete, which would be Brian Kelly, or the coach that has to have talent, which would be Lincoln Riley. Um, I disagree with that take on Lincoln Riley. but Yeah, I mean, I think he's a good X's and O's coach anyway. Um, so, and no, so I, I think they're both very good coaches. If I had to choose between the two and I had a five-year span, now it's different because of age if I'm talking 10, 15 years, but I would take Brian Kelly over Lincoln Riley. I I probably would too. Um, I don't think it's a lock either way. Yeah. I'm not the highest on Brian Kelly's character. I'm going to be honest. I will say that. Like, I think, you know, he seems a little fake to me sometimes. I've seen him throw assistance under the bus, under the bus, but I mean, as a football mind, I mean, you know, look, he's not Hugh Freeze low character. He's not that. And as a football mind, um, I, I just I, I think that Brian Kelly is going to I think he's going to dominate the West um, for I, again. LSU should have been dominating the West, like you said, for 45, 50 years. And it's just incessant incompetence that they haven't been able to do that. Um, and so I, I don't know. I, I think with Brian Kelly, they can do that. Quite honestly, 
sorry, portions of the program brought to you by Bassey Lawn and Garden, Man Alive. It's worth the drive, industrial, commercial, and residential mowers, especially if you're restocking your fleet at a business or, hey, let's say that uh, you're starting your own landscaping company. They've got these, those industrial and commercial mowers that they just don't have anywhere else. And thanks to their buying power, they're able to save you money. So give them a shot at Bassey Lawn and Garden. Uh, Man Alive, it's worth the drive, Bassey.com. Sam saying, I see Auburn and LSU's resurgent driving Nick's retirement. I, I, I don't, Sam. I think it's going to hamper his ability to win at the level he's been at. But I don't see anything chasing Nick Saban away. And even though there were rumors last summer that he was going to retire after the 2022 season, I'm of the mindset that this guy's going to coach until he just can't walk anymore. Yeah, I don't think Nick Saban knows what else he'd want to do, quite honestly. And so, yeah, I, I think that Nick Saban is going to – I don't think he's going to fall off from relevance. And by the way, yeah, I see Auburn getting good again, but I I don't see them surpassing Alabama with Nick Saban only because I think that Saban can still get good offensive coaches, just got a good offensive coordinator in Greg Roman from Baltimore recently, and he can still load up on talent. And Hugh Freeze may have the creative mind, but Gus Malzahn had a creative mind. And, you know, beat Saban a few times, but never got over the hump with Nick Saban. So I just – um, and I, I'm with Smoky Mountain Red on that. The Auburn Freeze marriage working. I think it'll work for a little while, but I think Hugh Freeze is going to do something again to get him in trouble. I just think he's a brazen, classless, horrible human being, and he's going to that's going to catch up with him. We'll see. City Heating and Air Conditioning, cityheatandair.com, and they can take care of your HVAC unit, and they're not going to say you need another one just so they can put a little bit more coin in their pocket because integrity matters they've been there for 50 years 50 years city heating and air is in north knoxville but serves the entire knoxville region cityheatandair.com we appreciate them he's caleb calhoun i'm dave hooker this has been a presentation of off the Hook sports <laughs>